The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Give you in the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. <sighs> he was the fun. He was kind of the fun nerdy one. Um, he was well, kind of the fun nerdy. He wasn't one, right? the smart nerd. He was just the <laughs> well. I know lots about comic books and like to party. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> enough of Ninja Turtles. Enough of Ninja Turtles. I love. I, I, I do still love this shirt, though. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. It is my favorite shirt. Mary bought it for me, I think, last year. Okay, nice. And I've worn it so much that it's already got holes in it. I um, uh, I bought Kata a, um, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles t-shirt that was um, all four of them taking a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> That's that amazing. Very entertaining. Yeah. She does enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, yeah. So enough Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's new? What's been going on? Um. <clears throat> Oh, I know, like, Silence. plenty of stuff happened. I just, I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> uh, I got, like, an insane amount of support for this studio in terms of just the amount of people wanting to help out, even people who are not, like, musical in any mm. sense. Ugh, excuse me. <laughs> you are welcome. Um, um, and, like, I was yesterday was the first time in a long time that I spoke with uh, my buddy who owns a, a cafe here in town. Okay. Um, I guess he used to be a contractor or something like that. And Sweet. I was telling him like, yeah, me and Mary are going to build a studio. And he, he just was like, oh, cool. Write up a business plan and send it to me. And then I'll point out any red flags I notice so that you can work on those before you open the studio. Sweet. Yeah, that's a great idea. So... I'm going to probably work on that. And then I have an engineer buddy who wants me to give him like rough blueprints of this space that'll be taking over. So rough sizes so that he can draw it out and, um, and, uh, I don't know, some engineering software. He's going to make like a blueprint of the idea and like do math to see what problems might arise. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have to do that as well. <laughs> and then I've also been doing a lot of thinking of other things. I need to find a resource to build snakes, though. A resource to build snakes? I used, Just to, like, get components and stuff. Mostly. I used um, uh, I used Sly Goose uh, for all the snakes here. Um, and... Uh, they were based out of out of Vancouver mm -hmm. back then, but they've since moved to Toronto. Um, it's all it's all custom made stuff, but they can order 
or provide you with parts of whatever you need. So I can get like 24 point cables. Mm -hmm. So I can make DB 25. Yeah. Um, now if, if I remember correctly, their, um, their part supply was marked up. Um, so you might want to check your resources through Long and McQuaid, um, before committing to anything. Yeah. I've been trying to find things through Long and McQuaid and mm -hmm. like I was able to find bulk, um, XLR cable. Mm -hmm. And for a thousand feet of that, my price is pretty I good. think pretty good because yeah. I pay a less than $300 for a thousand feet. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I think I, um, all the, uh, now all the three lead cable that I got to wire up the studio, all that gray stuff. Yeah. Um, I paid just shy of 24 cents a foot. No, that's not right. Um, it was just shy of 240 for a thousand feet. Okay. Cause those, those four boxes, yeah. there were a thousand foot boxes. Um, um, but you probably want actual mic cable, um, for making mic cables or, or are Possibly. you just, are you just looking to, to, um, I was thinking wire. I was going to buy the bulk cable for, um, the snake wiring and stuff. Right. Um, I'm going to probably just buy bulk cables cause I, I have a quote. I think if I got 32, XLRs with the ends already, I'd be paying like 300 bucks, mm -hmm. 400 bucks. I'd have to open up the quote, uh, which I would have to wait for my email app to open up. Um, <laughs> way to kill time on the radio. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now I have to wait for it to download, <laughs> but, uh, okay, here we go. Um, so I could buy like the super fancy, Yorkville ones and mm -hmm. 32 would cost me $857. That's with my discount. Right. So that's like half the price. Norm like normally that would probably cost or it's not quite half the price, but normally that would cost like probably $1,600. Right. Um, or I can just get like regular 25 foot with Neutrik ends um, for 394 Nice. Yeah. So I might just do that because mm -hmm. I'm going to probably end up spending about that with ends. And then like, if I take into account my time to build the cables themselves, I'm probably not really saving money. Yeah. So, yeah, especially, especially if you're getting the discounts, I, I um I ordered most of my ends from the factory in China that made Neutrix. Okay. That made the Neutrix ends. Um, and uh, I was able to get them at a really good price, but it was still, it was still pretty costly. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and at, by the end, by the end, I definitely saved, I saved, I don't know, maybe $1,500 overall on the cabling when we installed the console. Yeah. Um, so instead of, instead of 5,500 or $6,000 for cabling, it was $4,000 for cabling and all the ends and, you know, and then, so you can't factor in the two and a half weeks, three weeks of time that we spent installing. Yeah. Yeah. So that adds up too. Yeah. Uh, I was going to also reach out to the guy at Flock Audio today. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, Darren. Yeah. Uh, I was going to reach out to him, just confirm that it, I thought I saw something saying that it will be Windows compatible, but I can't seem to f find that anymore. Um, but so I'm just going to confirm with him. I'm pretty sure like he's going to do that because it just makes sense to make it work for all platforms. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to reach out to him. Uh, but I am 
kind of getting on the fence about that system because depending on how much he charges, I'm going to price it against what I what it would cost me to build an actual patch a, bay. A patch bay. Yeah. Um, in terms of like cables and the patch bay itself. Um, right. And part of me is thinking if I go traditional patch bay, I might go tiny telephone. More expensive. I know. That was, that was the that was the the deal breaker for me is that it was it was almost twice as expensive for the ends. Okay. And is there any thing you gain out of going tiny telephone versus like balance? Um, yes, you can fit. You can fit more. Um, oh, more points. More points because it is a more narrow. Yeah. Pin. And there's a there's there's a little more there's a little more. Um, a little more finger room at the patch bay level. Uh, I mean, that, that's one thing we struggle with here is, mm-hmm. is there's not a lot of finger room when you're got a densely patched yeah. bay, right? See, I would love to go the digital route though. So that yeah. I, I just don't have cables. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. and yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, completely software driven OSX and windows compatible, right? There. Okay, cool. There well, I'm go. still going to reach out to the guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, so, so the, the trouble with tiny telephone is, um, is that it's, it's more expensive for the, for the ends mm-hmm. because they're far less common. Um, it's more expensive for the patch bay itself. And generally those, those patch bays are, um, uh, jacks on the front or jacks on the top and, um, and they're bare, on the back, oh, so you got to right. wire to them, right? Yeah. Um, now, and you have to wire it to be normal, or yeah, or something. That's like actually that, right? that's actually really easy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's there, there's always instructions, and there's like seven points or something on the yeah. back that. But with your TRS patch bay, it's just a push of a button. Um, At least the ones I've used. Well, it was like yeah. A button. If, if you if you go with the um, if you go with the um, like ART. Makes it ART so makes like, a more expensive one, believe it or not. If you go with um, with the Neutrix one, which is the exact same as as an old Behringer one, okay, used to be, um, you you can find them used for like fifty bucks, but you can buy them new for like eighty. Um, the one Roland has over there is a Neutrix patch bay that he got from Studio Economique for eighty bucks, and that okay. might have included delivery. Forty eight point, uh, yeah, yeah, and it's it, it's just it's TRS front and back. Um, quarter inch TRS front and back. Yeah. Um, it nice and easy. And if you're not doing a ton of patching, that's the way to go because it's so easy to make TRS, um, and, and have TRS ends. And if you're not, if you're not plugging things in and out all the time, then you're, you're almost not, you're, you're almost never going to have, um, fatigue issues with the, with the sockets. Okay. Yeah. Now, I mean, nah. an XLR patch bay would be even better because then you'd never have fatigue issues, and and I yeah, wish but it takes so much space. I wish RC, I, I wish phono plugs um, could be balanced because they were just the most brilliant design, except for the fact that they're unbalanced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't they make a balanced RCA cable at one point in time? I have no idea. That would be so, that would be super awesome if they did. I, th- I thought that RCA did make. A balance RCA cable or huh. something like that. Cool. Um, um, 
I, I mean, a, this could be like years ago, and like, yeah, like it's like since been abandoned. Thirty years ago, yeah, like the mini disc. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the if you don't need to patch, if you don't need to patch more than you know, hundred points, I'd say you're. Uh, oh goodness, excuse me. I'd say these new tricks patch bays are the way to go. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still leaning towards the um, flock audio patch bay. Yeah, uh, I mean if if because the price... it, it, it just fits everything I need, and yeah. it will fit the aesthetic I'm going for, which is very clean. No right. cables can be seen in the control room. The yeah. only cables I want are going to be in the live room, and it's just to connect microphones to yeah. the snake. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that's actually that's actually one of my pet peeves. I see a lot of um, a lot of these home studio guys that have that have that Argosy desk where the where there's there's like five or six rack spaces on either side and they go up at this angle. Yeah, and I for some reason I can't for the life of me figure out why they always put the, their patch bays at the top, and so the cables dangle over the controls. Dangle over the controls. I was watching one guy last night that had a, I think it was a, uh, uh, one of the warm audio LA two A's okay. and, and it had three cables laying on top of it. And I, all, all I could think of is that annoys the fuck out of me. Yeah. <laughs> like, move that cable. Uh, at least put it at the bottom. Oh, well, like if I'm going to go traditional patch bay, um, it's going to be in a rack where like the only things, other things other than the patch bay rack spaces yeah. is going to be things like power conditioners or something. I really liked um, Andrew Shep's setup because he, he has that, that wall of gear that is just like the whole one wall is solid, but he doesn't use gear. analog anymore. I, I know, but, and, and maybe he, it's all gone. Who knows? Right. But um, no, I, I, he, but he's a lot of his stuff for retirement, despite the fact that <laughs> right? he's like probably 20 years into his retirement. Um, tw- uh, he's got a, a 16 space rack or 16 spaces of rack that are dedicated to the patch bay, mm-hmm. but they're sitting on the floor uh, for, from the ground up. And then there's gear sitting above it, yeah. right? So there's, I mean, the cable, the, the patch bay itself is a doesn't mess of cables. It, it's yeah. a rat nest, but it doesn't well, get in the way of anything. Michael Brower even has like an insane patch bay where it's mm. like a stand up shelf, right. just full of patch bay. Yeah. And it is just a patch bay. That's, That's awesome. all it does. There might be like the occasional power switch for mm. some of his gear in yeah. there. Uh, I don't remember because it's even, been years since I've seen this. I even love that he's got a patch base specifically for um, amplifier level stuff so he can patch heads to cabinets. Yeah. And, well, this is a guy who thinks of signal flow like no other person on the world. So. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but he does have just this giant patch bay rack and all that rack is is his patch bay. Yeah. And oh, like, I'm thinking of Michael Wagner. Is that who you're talking about? Uh, no, Michael Brower. Michael Brower. Yeah, I'm thinking of Michael Wagner. Brower is uh, the uh, guy who's done like the, uh, what is it called? Yeah, I can, NBC, multibus compression. I can see multibus compression? What? Yeah. Explain this to me. Maybe I maybe I think of it in a different term. Where you create buses yeah. in your mixes, but then you send those buses to additional buses and they all have compressors on them. And okay. It, it's just 
a lot of buses getting compressed before they get to the two bus. Isn't that kind of normal? Uh, I don't know. The way he does it is very specific. It apparently okay. can't be recreated in the digital world. Apparently. I'd be surprised if that was true. I would be too. Yeah. And like he says, maybe there is a way. I just haven't figured it out. Uh-huh. Like it, the last interview I've seen with him, he, he, he admitted that. Um, or at least he... The recreations he has made has never been quite the effect that he gets out of doing it in the analog world, where he just he has like his drum bus, and then his drum bus and his bass bus get combined into the low end bus or whatever you sure. want to call yeah. it. And he might process those differently. Yeah, that just sounds like funneling. Like I, I mean, like I call that funneling, right? But yeah, it, it, my understanding of it and. I, I have a very loose understanding of it because I just mm-hmm. looked at the vague idea of what it was right. and then just added it to my arsenal. And I'm sure I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> but it is very much funneling and you're just putting compressors on everywhere. Right. And it, it's really just staging compressors, but yeah, that makes sense. doing it so that it does certain things. Like uh, you use a certain compressor to make the, the bass and the drums work well with each other. Yeah. Before they need to be glued to the two bus or something like that. Do you submix your bass and your drums before you mix those two things with any other instruments? No. No, you just slap them all together? I typically have like my um, drum bus, a bass bus. My bass bus might be sent to a guitar bus. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I might glue those things together before I send to the two bus. I have a vocal bus, uh, and then depending on if the song has other things, I might have other buses for those other things. Right. And then typically from there, like my template has a maximum of eight buses. Rarely do I ever use that many. I just have eight buses just so that I don't have to set up another bus. I could just send whatever I need to send. Um, like more often than not, I maybe use six buses at most. So I okay. usually have two buses that don't do anything. I um, but I then would... I send to my two bus and right. Uh, your two bus doesn't count in those eight buses or the six buses or whatever. No. Okay. Those are all my like sub buses. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. I um, I definitely always have a drum bus and I always have a guitar bus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course I, I sum those down to, a to an instrument bus. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I call it my, the band bus. Okay. Um, and, uh, this is one of those things I got from, um, working with hip hop guys. Um, and then I'll, 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 I'll basically do like mix bus processing on the band bus. Yep. Um, so that when I lay the vocals on top, they're already, they're already feeling pretty pretty well controlled underneath mm-hmm. yeah um yeah and i'll i'll if there's a lot of background vocals going on i'll definitely have a a, a bus for that and then sum it all uh, down to a yeah right 
if if like I have several clearly these are different vocals I'll, I'll definitely separate them into separate buses right but then i'll usually bust both of those together <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah, absolutely just just funneling down and funneling down and mm -hmm. yeah i'm being mobbed by the puppy here um well she wants attention she wants to play with the computer apparently all right um <laughs> okay um on to your doozies so um so the first thing, first thing on my list is actually on the bottom of my list, but it's the first thing I want to talk about because I think you'll avoid it the most. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I found you on LinkedIn. Oh. And you go by the name of Joseph Roach. No, and, that's my legal name. Well, I know, I know, but I um, when I when I saw that, I actually didn't think it was you. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> fair. I don't go by that. Like every time somebody addresses me as Joseph, I usually say, that's my Bible name. <laughs> that's your Bible name? Yeah. That's awesome. I like that. <laughs> uh, oh, speaking of Bibles, I had, um, I had some, I had some very, very fanatical, um, um, individuals individuals in here last night and uh i've worked with them lots before but never got into never got into the conversation mm. and it was um was very they even admitted it themselves that to norm to, to normal people they know they sound crazy but uh it, it was it was a interesting conversation side note so the joseph thing is done yeah I found a piece of gear in the 500 series range that I think you might really get excited about. But then it means I have to buy a 500 rack. I know. Um, and, and there's, there's alternatives to this mm -hmm. in, in normal rack space, but they cost significantly more. So here's the trade-off, right? Well, I don't know. Every time I hear that argument, I just think like, did you take into account the price of the rack that you have to fit the 500 piece in? Absolutely. Absolutely. A valid argument. My only, my only thing is if you are planning on a number of 500, 500 series already. units, then it, then it, then it could be beneficial. It's, it's a beneficial investment. If you're yeah. just investing for that one piece of gear, then possibly not. Yeah. So hear me out. Trident A range, 500 series EQ, hmm. um, two space, one channel. Like it's mono, yeah, but it takes up two rack spaces, yeah, because they had to fit in the faders. Oh, that's a pig. <laughs> it absolutely, is a pig, but it's not the only one that does it. I mean, it's the only one that, that I've seen that has like it's got four faders, right? One for each EQ range, just like the A range um, console. Sure. I, I don't know. <laughs> you're not, you're not, no, not interested. No. Oh man. I just, I saw it. If I'm spending like a, almost a thousand bucks on a, like a 10 space rack, whatever. I want to get the most out of those 10 space. You can get the Midas 10 space rack for um, 700 bucks. Well, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm just rounding up to a thousand. Fair enough. I know that yeah. like there are like, there's good values out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, but <laughs> you know like that's 700 bucks i want to get right full usage out of every module that i have available to me for sure so i don't want a two space one channel 
thing. If it takes up two spaces, it better be two channels. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Like there's, there's lots of, there's lots of things that are worth the two spaces. Um, I, 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 my, Maybe it, it's just my mindset currently with me building my space yeah. and it's just like I have to make every dollar count and right. so it's just like if I'm spending we'll say the $700 on a 500 series uh, rack sure like however many units that has I want to <laughs> at least for the first one <laughs> yeah. if in the future like I get a second one I might have that with a two unit uh piece how are you going to get um your um your portico 500 series preamps they have racks of four channels yeah yeah and it works out to be pretty much just as much uh, (laughs) as buying four individual channels and a rack so that's fair Um, and it uses different less space different topology though um the uh the Oh, that's the phone. It's going to ring. Ah, it's on silent. Good. Who is it? Miami, Florida is calling today. I have no, no idea why they would call me. So um, the the 500 series um, preamp and the four, uh, the four unit one space preamp, they have different, um, <clears throat> they have different, different topologies. The four space uh, of course has the mid side um, processing on channels three and four. Okay. You know that I know it really well because I had both, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, channels one and two also have direct in and through, which is pretty handy. Yeah. Um, but their their silk circuit that's that uh, that's that saturation circuit mm-hmm. is a is a low mid saturation circuit. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's there. That's that's the one that's the low mid saturation circuit. Uh, sorry, and this is for the this is for the rack. For the, the rack unit, yeah. The okay. four unit, um, four channel, the, uh, the Portico fifty twenty four, yeah, yeah. So then, then the Portico um, five eleven, which is the five hundred series unit, yeah, it has, um, it has a a, a variable high pass filter, which I love, yeah, that's so nice. smooth, um, and it has a variable silk circuit that is the upper mid silk circuit. Is it variable? It's yeah. been like five years since I've used one. So it's not been five years. It's been two. Since that shitty studio that I was it's working at? Been two. Yeah. No, three. More th- than two. Three at the most. Because we started this podcast and you were still there for, for a while. I'm going to say three. Well, but the podcast is Because I was still old. working at the pizza shop. Yeah. But when I quit that job. Mm-hmm. And I've been at Long McQuaid for like two and a half years. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to say it's closer to three years ago, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was the last time I, yeah, but it, it's, it, um, I won't pretend that the, the silk circuits mattered to me all that much, but that high pass filter, that was the reason I kept the 511, uh, the 500 series units and sold the, um, the rack unit. Um, they both sound great, but mm-hmm. that but that variable high pass filter is brilliant. That one that one is worth the. I extra, mean, high pass filters in general is great on yeah. a preamp. Yeah, um, that's true. Although I'm not too worried about the EQ side of my preamps. 
because yeah. with the 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 Goliath, I I have like so much yeah, processing that's anyway. True. That's true, and a lot of that processing is EQs. Yeah. So if I need to, I can always insert an EQ on the individual channel. Does the um does the Antelope um, plugins do they have the Pultec um, filter EQ? Uh, I know they have some Pultecs. Yeah, I, I just don't remember if they had the the filter EQ, like the high the the high pass filter and the low pass filter. I don't remember either. Um, I don't see why they wouldn't though. Well, it's, excuse me. It's it's a much less popular one, right? I'm pretty sure they had a few antelope or a few Poltec um, right. EQs. Yeah, that's fair. But like, even if they don't, they have other EQs that will have filters anyway. Right. So yeah, I'm, yeah, for I'm sure. Not for sure. Super concerned about that. Um. There was, oh yeah, I got an email this morning that, um, oh, I didn't want to read that yet. Shoot. Um, this one. So I got, I've been getting these, um, these emails from gear slots. Right. Um, yeah, they do have a filter. They do have the pull tech filter. Yep. Awesome. Uh, that's one of those, um, that's one of those, uh, um, EQs that I wish I had to really hear how it sounds, like what actually makes it special, you know, <laughs> just to, just to play with. Right. They even have four different SSLs. Really? Yeah. Four different SSL EQs. Yep. Really? They have the 4k black, 4k brown, 4k <laughs> pink, 4k orange. I'm not going to read about what those are yet, but yeah, you got <laughs> yeah. your filter. Cool. Cool. I'll read about those later. Yeah. Um, I, uh, so I've been, I've been on this hunt for, um, uh, in some sort of color box, right? We talked about this little last yeah. week. Um, and I finally found it. I also finally found the right deal on it. Oh yeah. And it hasn't shipped yet. I just pulled the trigger on the weekend. Um, but it's a uh, two channel, very moo. Um, oh, so you're going with a very moo decided to go with the very moo. And specifically I found one that is a lot of very moves try to be clean. Like the manly tries to be vibey, but really clean. The locomotive audio, tries to be vibey but really really clean and, and glossy right I describe it as glossy but i found one i found one that intentionally describes itself as as dark and possibly gritty cool and and it doesn't have a lot of reviews it doesn't seem to have a lot of users out there but the users that are using it seem to be really really passionate and excited about it so i'm really looking forward to it i discovered this guy the monster compressor that's the model name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, the paint job is very like eye catching. Mm -hmm. uh, but the thing that really very, interested very me was that it's an optical compressor. Okay. But followed after the optical compress compressor, you have the option to go through tube saturation. Okay. And then you can still go into uh, the master circuit 
which you can then color it even further. So it's got like three different ways you can color the signal. (laughs) That's cool. Um, that that's kind of reminiscent of the, uh, and I know, uh, the chameleon, um, chameleon labs, Mm -hmm. their, uh, their optical compressor is, is that kind of thing. It's, it's, um, it's, uh, the optical compressor, uh, followed by a tube saturation stage. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, you can drive the output transformers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly wouldn't be on the same level as this. Do you have any well, idea what this would cost? Uh, I was, it was like 2600 or something. And it's a stereo yeah. unit. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, I didn't think it was too bad of a price for what it was. Right. Um, I haven't heard any samples of it, but on their website, they do have, like, samples. Like, they have it on a kick drum and snare. Cool. So... I might listen to it. I j- was just reading reviews about how it was like really cool and that there's not really anything out there that does what it does. It, it's usually you have to use two compressors yeah, to get yeah. what this one compressor does. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you certainly pay extra for that variability, but having something, especially in, in your home studio, mm-hmm. um, having something that is, that is full of options yeah. in, in a smaller space. Cause that, that, that looked three space. Yeah. yeah three three space unit. Yeah. Um, that's, that can be a huge advantage. Yeah. It, it, it looks like a cool option. I'm yeah. going to hold off on it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that'd be you don't a have future investment. <laughs> um, yeah. as I make money from the space, I'll probably invest in one of those. I, I don't see right. a need for more than one of those. That's fair. Yeah, I, I, that kind of thing is, it's not like you would put that compressor on several several different instruments, right? And it would just be a color box, really. From like the reviews I've read about it, it is a color thing. Yeah, but I'm if you're also if but it can be pretty transparent if you need it to be. Like you can bypass the tube saturation, right? And or even 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 run the the tube drive really lightly, and it can it can seem really clean. Yeah, the cool thing about it is like they don't have a ratio control yeah the ratio is actually controlled by how hard you drive the input yeah there's, there's a lot of compressors that are coming out like that yeah uh, probably a lot of compressors that are that have been like that in, in fact in fact your um your love child the fair child yeah um, well i know like a lot of the compressors i really like are kind of like that where they yeah. don't give you the option to choose the compression ratio you just yeah. crank the input figure out where you want the output. Yeah. And then maybe select limiter if you want it to hit harder. And and like this is similar where you can if you want it to hit harder, you can flick a limiter switch. And nice. Very it'll cool. hit harder. Yeah. Uh but otherwise you have to crank the input uh <laughs> to get harder ratios. Which I, I, nothing wrong with that at all. No. Does I, it does it have an output control? Like an output yeah, it has a, yeah. an output control. Yeah. No worries that that at all then, right? Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of places where you can uh, change the 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 level in that thing. Because I think it has an output control for the compressor stage, and then the tube saturation is just a saturation knob. You just crank it. Nice. nice. And then there's the master output. Cool. Which you can attenuate or whatever you want yeah sweet yeah um and for some weird reason it's got a side chain in and out 
I don't know why you would need a side chain out. Like every box I've seen with side chain capability, it's like an input. I've I've seen I've seen a fair about a fair few of them. I think I even have a couple of them downstairs. But you're right. I I, I don't I know, don't know why I would ever need an output. You know my beside my my side chain but the, the weirdest thing about this compressor is it has a monitor out as well really yeah so it's got a normal in and out but then it's got a monitor out then it's got a side chain in and out is there is there no um no information on the on the page about why there might be that? i haven't looked at their page um to see if there's information as to why it has those, I yeah. just read an SOS. Um, oh, there is a manual, so it probably does say. Oh, they even give you a recall sheet. Yeah, a lot of companies. A lot of companies are doing that. That's good. Yeah. Um, yep. Even even art, even art has uh, recall sheets on their website. Here, I'll load up a picture of the back of this thing because it is really like. All right. So you got your normal input, I/O. output monitor unbalanced, and then side chain input and output. Interesting. Yeah, I don't Very know crazy. why I would ever need the monitor out. Yeah. Oh, and it's made in Poland. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. It it's cool. Compressor. I'll yeah. probably buy one in <laughs> when the studio is making money. Yeah. Hey, um, want to take a break? Sure. We're going to be back after a simple noise. Okay. 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 So we're back. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. So go onto your, um, go onto your funky thing there and um, search weight tank compressor. I've already looked that up. Yeah. Okay. That's um, so what about it? <laughs> uh, that's the unit that I um, just pulled the trigger on. Okay. Yeah. So I got a Isn't couple. That only just a. Uh, it's a single channel unit, but I yeah. I uh, I got two of them um, that are apparently um, stereo matched. Okay. Uh, they have a they have a side chain link, but the button to control the link is unlabeled. Okay. Um, and so I'm really curious to get the user manual to find out how that thing actually works. You can't download it off their website? Uh, not yet. Okay. Not yet. I had, um, I had a brief conversation on Saturday with, um, Eric, the, uh, the guy that the, the that guy runs. that runs weight tank. Um, and, uh, I didn't think to ask him then about it, but okay. Seemed like a really nice guy. He was really prompt with uh, replies and stuff. So cool. Yeah. But two space, we're going to have four spaces in the rack dedicated to that. Um, Speaking of rack space, I just picked up a, um, for super cheap, I just picked up a, an old used 16 space, um, rack and, uh, and we installed it, um, Friday night, Saturday morning. Okay, cool. Yeah. So now, uh, the rack is as tall as you are. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, sorry. Pepper. Oh, she's laying at your feet again. I think uh, that means your boss. <laughs> I was, uh, her with my studio, I'm going to be building a rack space behind, um, 
the listening position, I think. Okay. It's going to double as like a work desk for people right, so the, in the back yeah, of the room. Yeah. Uh, but then like the side facing the engineer is going to be a rack space. Yeah. I'm hoping to make it uh, three, three, uni- uh, three, three things, spaces big. Yeah. wide. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if I can only do two, though, that, that that's still lots of rack gear. Yeah, that you could fit in that. Yeah. I wish I had that kind of space. Um, I've thought about uh, I've thought about knocking out that back wall of the um, of the control room there right. and extending it right to the window. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a lot of work that would shut us down for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. I don't th- like at the end of the day. I don't think I'll have much more if more at all okay. rack space than what you currently have because i'm not building up I, i'm gonna have everything low yeah lower so yeah. i think at the end of the day i'll probably have equivalent rack space to what you currently have okay which i mean that's still lots of gear yeah i, I got a i got a 24 unit rack uh a 12 and a 16 yeah Mine's going to probably be 12 or 16 and just yep. three, three of those. The 16 seems about right for table height. Um, okay. Based on this one that we, that we just got, it seems about right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, oh, it's still something I'm, I'm trying to work out because right. like a part of me is thinking like I'm going to have it maybe a little shorter than table height. So probably 12. It might not be a bad idea to, to, um, for, excuse me, for comfort reasons Go. to have it, to, to have the top of the, the top of it table height anyway, so that, um, so well, that people sitting at it and using it as a table can, can actually make use of it. Especially, especially when you're, when you're putting producers or people with scripts or something in there and they have, they have to use the table. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's going to be a couch at the back of the room. Right. Um, and then. I people was going sitting, to people raise sitting on the, the back couch. of the room uh, oh, yeah. a bit, uh, yeah. just so that they could they somewhat see. look over right my shoulder, yeah, um, and also to play psychology on them and have them looking down on me, so that it's like more I'm the boss because I'm looking down. <laughs> this is see, the kind of things I've been thinking about, and I was and I was going to say if you're sitting on the couch. You're not really part of the session, <laughs> so who cares? <laughs> but fair enough. I, I um, well, this is just the couch in the control room. It's going yeah. to be on a riser, um, a little bit higher than the yeah. normal level of where I'd be probably working. Right. Um, and so it's just going to be like the producer. He is able to see what's going on. He can t- dictate things and like it's just a psychology thing yeah that i'm doing yeah um, the, the max volume studio is like that um it's a it's six inches the, the the couch seating area is six inches or so maybe eight inches above the i'm not going to work that much higher like six, it, in, no, six inches is, is not a lot i know it's not a lot but like i'm going to have it so that i can at least stand back of the room comfortably six <laughs> inches in the basement is not comfortable didn't you say these were 10 foot ceilings though uh, not like but know. i don't know if that's 10 feet to the fl- like the the floor slash ceiling yeah and thus i have 
uh, baffle space that I have to take into account, right. or if it's like ten foot ceilings to the end of the baffles to the floor. Sure, and like that that makes a huge difference. Yeah. So depending on that, I, I it'll probably only be like yeah. a two inch lift, but like that's okay. going to be enough. Uh, I don't know that a two inch lift is all that valuable. Um, I mean, two inches is that much, right? Yeah. And that, that's not, that's not a lot. I know it's not a lot. Yeah. But um, I'll probably um, still do it. Do you know what that studio is? Uh, I, I don't even know what country it's in, but you and I have both seen pictures of it because we looked at it together. Um, huge console and the back of the room is a raised platform with theater seating. And there's like 16 seats across the back to look down on the... And, it, and it's raised like three feet. That sounds like a production studio. It's possibly, yeah. I see the pictures of that for studios that um, cater to movies and stuff. And so they, they yeah. usually do that for like to mimic the um, theater audience. Right. Um, speaking of production, have you heard the latest out of, out of um, Pro Tools? That they're now Pro Tools Ultimate, yeah. <laughs> instead and of I saw instead that of Pro it Tools was like HD, thirteen hundred dollars yeah. a year. Uh, yeah, and no, that, that hasn't that hasn't changed though. Oh, I know, but like it's just, and that's only for two hundred fifty six channels, so it's not even unlimited channels. And here's here's the kicker: um, if you're not you if you're not already using a um, an Avid uh, product interface, yeah. You have and to pay extra. You have to, you have to pay a three hundred dollar American. Um, what do they they call it? A DigiConnect fee. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is just ridiculous. Yep. And then they wonder why their their stock price keeps going down every year. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, maybe because you're not providing a service that your consumers want actually want. Yeah, and thus your consumers are going to your competitors because your competitors will give them unlimited tracks for five hundred dollars yeah forever yeah it's it's almost as though they don't want new users and they just want to do things that won't really affect their existing user base already but but the it, thing it is, still does is if they offered something that their existing user base would love that speaks volumes yeah and then it will make people want to use the product because the people who are already using your product, because you did something that like yeah. they love. Bobby Osinski was saying this morning on his podcast that uh, the only people who are, or who are even going to benefit um, a tiny bit from this are people doing post-production anyway. And that's the only people who are like, we have to use pro tools really not necessarily i mean nuendo is pretty popular in, well, I, uh, I know nuendo is too yeah. but most production houses it's pro tools and so i'd like you have to know pro tools if you're in uh the production houses and stuff right. like that fair enough um and like that that's all they're focusing on is just production houses which i mean whatever if that's what they want to do but like maybe they feel like maybe they feel like they've lost the um the music user base anyway possibly yeah, yeah. but Who then knows? why even bother marketing to the 
they did just um i wonder how much this is going to change but they did just fire their their ceo or something like that right for misconduct yeah um and so i wonder how much but their new ceo said that he's just going to stick with the current strategies well i naturally when he's when when a new person is coming in he's got to you got to do that for a while he can't just come in and and change things flip over the table right yeah um but I wonder, I wonder, I'm sure there was a lot of politics involved with that statement of saying, I'm just maybe going to continue doing what it is. But his exact words were like, I know the strategy. I've been the, the vice president uh, or whatever the title is, the, the second in command for years. Right. I think it's a good strategy. We're going to continue with it for the time being. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, oh, there was something else that I popped into my head while we were talking about that shit yeah i don't know new new pro tools i just i looked at it i saw the prices of it and like they don't even for the fuck for 1300 dollars, they don't even like give you um auto tune or like other softwares you have to pay extra for that stuff yeah but that, that's always been the case yeah but like uh studio one you get melodyne with it you get Melodyne Basic with it, whatever. Fair enough. Um, Cubase has has their own version built right in. So does Logic. It's built right in. Yeah, yeah. Well, even Reaper has their own Auto Tune yeah. software, and it's a decent program. Yeah. It looks ugly, but it's decent. Well, Pro Tools, Pro Tools comes with a um, a automatic pitch correction software. Okay, right. Like it, it, it does come with. Um, uh, just like just like AutoTune's automatic side, mm-hmm. it detects and corrects in an automatic way, and you can you can vary things. Uh, it doesn't give you the option of like Melodyne um, of going in and individually adjusting notes yeah. as you want, right? Um, but it does have it does have uh, a pitch correction software. Okay. Well, still like and, and everything you, about it is just a cash grab. It, it it seems that way, yeah. Because there's software that does the same thing for significantly less. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, when I heard that this morning, it I definitely sealed the fact that I'm I'm not going to ever bother upgrading. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm at twelve point four, and unless that becomes unusable on my computer, I don't think there's ever going to be a need for me to a reason for me to upgrade yeah oh crap okay um we gotta stop i have to take this call okay 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 so now they're back thanks for being patient with me i appreciate it um what is this thing that rupert neve designs is rupert neve and steinberg are collaborating to make the urrts which is just a steinberg interface which with um Rupert Neve uh, preamps, it looks like. Really? That's awesome. Um, and what's it oh. called? Uh, URRT. Sorry, with Rupert Neve Transformers. Oh, okay, that makes more so sense. So maybe the preamp is not in there. So they, they've been... Um, they've been... Uh, Steinberg... Um, UTR? Uh, URRT. U... Oh, yeah. URRT. Um, okay, so no, the, the preamps aren't in it. Sorry, I miss. It's the, it's still, it's, it's just it, the transformer. Just the transformer. But the preamps in the UR series 
suck. Interfaces suck. Well, maybe maybe this is part of them making it better. Um, although this still just looks like it still just looks like the uh, the the that crappy UR thing. Yeah, and a four channel and a two channel version. Hey, I mean, cool. If they actually put the Rupert Neve preamps in that, that'd be an awesome like portable rig, right? But that that would be super expensive, right? Like that'd be a yeah. that'd be a twenty five hundred dollar box, if not more, maybe. Um, Ultimately, all I want out of the, like if I was to buy a Steinberg box is like I want a different preamp because those preamps are garbage. Yeah, like I've heard the newer the newer version of them, um, like, not like not these ones, but. I've heard the newer version of them is is actually okay. Okay, my experience with them is like <laughs> I plug in um, an SM7B, which I understand you need a lot of gain with that. But like to get an acceptable amount of gain, I had to crank it on those things. Yeah, and those preamps were so noisy that it was unusable. So I had to buy an external preamp. Right, but that's 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 what you're supposed to expect with those things, though, right? They're they're good and clean. Um, up until a certain point and then they get just awful well but the the point was at like noon oh really yeah that might be that might be a um um uh what am i looking for that might be a grounding issue because roland had roland had that same problem with his um focus right uh his little focus right two channel unit before okay. he got the claret over there um, and he couldn't turn anything, any signal up past noon before the noise just got, uh, unusable. Mm -hmm. And it, it was actually a grounding issue between, um, or a ground loop between his monitors and his interface. So I wonder if there's, I, I wonder if there's a grounding issue with the, uh, with the box that just needs to be sourced out and broken. Hmm. Yeah. Cause we, we put in, well, I'm not at that studio anymore, so Fair whatever. Enough. Fair enough. Um, and my solution was I just, I got a Portico 511 and yeah. fed that into the interface. Yeah. Line level. Oh, yeah. it doesn't. Oh yeah. It does love, it does line level. So uh, interesting note here on this thing, it has, oh, it's got, it's a five input device. So you can do, um, channels one through four, but then it's got two more line inputs on the back. Sorry, six inputs total. Sorry. Yeah. That's cool. I was going to say your math's wrong. My math is terrible. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. I mean, it's interesting that it's got the transformers, but mm -hmm. right before you, right before you stumbled on that, um, I was, we were talking about uh, setting rules for the studio about, yep. about specific clients. And I'm starting to make a list of, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm seven, eight, 10, whatever, years into studio studio ownership mm -hmm. and i should have had this list a long time ago um but i now am starting to have a list of type of projects that i'm actually going to say no to and that i think i have to say no to for the betterment of my business mm -hmm. um the first one is I, if, if you're coming to me and want me to create all of the instruments and you're not willing to pay for musicians, no, 
I'm actually going to start saying no. Um, cause this, this most recent experiment that I've done with this, with, with this, the guy who got the funding, the, this gentleman that got the funding. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm disappointed with the whole project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's disappointed with the whole project too. And I'm, I'm already, I'm already over budget and we're not even done writing the instruments. It's just, and you've already had the talk with him about like we're over budget and stuff. Um, well, th- see, that's the thing is, is, uh, I agreed to a flat rate, which was a big mistake of mine. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, but that's, that's another one of those mistakes is, is the way he described the project. I thought there was, he, he led me to believe that there was flexibility to, um, create what I could with computer-based instruments and then um is that the same number that's not the same number oh dear you know what when we get phone calls that interrupt things like this ah yeah i gotta take this crap man this is the worst podcast ever um shit sorry for the interruptions so you're not taking projects um that want you to do all the songwriting or i I don't mind the songwriting musicians but yeah there need to be there need to be the, the flexibility to hire the right musicians because yeah. I'm not a good enough musician and I don't, I don't, I certainly don't have the, the patience or the, yeah, I, I think it comes down to the patience to make a violin sound real using MIDI instruments. Mm-hmm. I either don't have the knowledge or I don't have the patience to make it happen. Um, cause it just seems like a lot of work. It is a lot of it, work. It, it, it is a lot of work. Um, anyway, so my solution to that is usually being like, if you want to do this, we're talking about like $10,000 per song. Yeah. Well, and like, I'm very not flexible with that price. Yeah. Because if I'm going to do it, I'm going to hire people. I'm going to do it right. Yeah. And, and, and that's the, when, when we, when we sat down, what was it? A couple weeks ago now we sat down to talk about talk about okay so we've hit that point where where i now can't del- can't create that instrument authentically um in the computer so we need to hire people so what's our budget for this and he's decided that his budget to hire musicians is less than 50 dollars per musician mm-hmm. which is which is just too low you can't get you just can't get quality musicians for for that amount of money. Well, that's when you go in the talk and just tell them like, you're not going to get good musicians for that money. The people who are going to be willing to pay that or willing to get paid that yeah. you're not going to be happy with their work. Exactly. Right. So, so now, now here's the other one. <clears throat> here's the other one. This has come, this has come to light just this weekend. And I've always been sitting on the fence with this one. Yeah. Um, I had a, um, uh, hip hop guy that's doing that modern, that kind of, um, Drake, the weekend style of, sure. of really auto-tuned, really processed, oh, yeah. um, hip hop kind of yeah. thing. Right. Um, I've decided that I am going to draw the line on that. Um, if you want to do hip hop with me, I specialize in like nineties hip hop, that kind of style, Okay, you know, early two thousands, where it's not super processed, it's actually, you know, it's actually performers, right? But sure. this new style, um, I have t- 
too much trauma around it. And that's really loud in my headphones. <laughs> and uh, and so I just have to, I have to draw the line at it. I can't, I don't think I can afford to do it anymore. Which right. is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Great conversation. Millions of interruptions. Yes. We'll see you guys all next Follow week. Follow our hosts on Twitter at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.